Welcome to the Cake Adjacent Podcast, a once a week update on all things food, family, community, gardening, whatever. We call it Sidecar. If it has to do with the rituals around food and holidays, making food or taking up places, or remembering what we were eating during important times in our lives, we'll talk about it here. I am your host and bestie, Jen Coleslaw, coming to you from the Sola suburbs of Northern Virginia. Hi, friends. I am so sorry that I didn't get a podcast out last week. Not only was it a busy week that it got away from me, but I had a lot going on in my head and I couldn't process it all in order to create a decent 15 minutes of thought. It was like I had so much jam-packed in my brain like an overstuffed pinata and no matter how many times I took swings at it to let some things loose, I kept missing. So I spent some time thinking about what all was stuffed up in there and what was going on that was making it so hard to put down a paltry 15 minutes plus food holidays down on paper and read it into a microphone. And here is a short list of things that have been keeping me from being able to think straight. Work, work. It is super busy right now because it's the legislative session And we have a governor who is hell-bent on catching the eye of some of the worst human beings on the planet, which would be the ultra-far-right, ultra-Christian conservatives who say they are about small government while reaching into your bedroom and your libraries and your schools and your workplace and your businesses to make sure that you're Christian and you're following an arbitrary set of Christian rules while cutting school funding and aid to children, relaxing environmental and gun controls, So you can imagine the kind of bills we're seeing that need to be smothered in committee before they even make it to the House or Senate floor. The good news is that I think now you can get a handgun in your own coal mine in your cereal boxes in Virginia. Am I kidding? Well, the session isn't over yet. Also on my mind, my dad's birthday. I made chocolate cupcakes and then dropped most of the tray of frosted ones on the floor a few days later, which transitioned to this friend of mine, someone who I've known for almost 20 years through an online community, and he went into rehab this week, and I reached out in advance of him going to let him know that I was thinking of him, and that the one regret my father had was not getting sober sooner, and that he's doing a really good thing by his kids. And so he's been there for a couple days now, and I've I've been thinking a lot about him because I remember when my father went into a 28-day rehab and I missed him so much, but how everything changed when he got home. And certainly things changed for the better in some ways and changed for the not better in other ways, but I've been thinking a lot about that. This week, Catherine let me know that the first Patrick's father died. And today, Sunday, January 22nd, is also the anniversary of the death of the second Patrick's second wife, who I liked very much, and my heart broke when she died of cancer. She had been sick for quite a long time, and she was really quite a trooper. The pandemic has really done a number on my ability to realize the passage of time. It has been seven years since she died, and it feels like At the same time, it was forever ago and just last year. I was recently cleaning up in the kitchen and I found a few notes that she had sent to me. She was a stylist for print, magazines, and catalogs. She had a very successful business. And she was always collecting little things like vases and egg cups and antique tins and things 
for photo shoots. And when she was winding down that business, when she got really sick, she sent me a few of those things and always with a fun little note. She always had such good advice. And I wish she and I had had more time to get to know each other. It was probably an ex-husband's worst nightmare that a first wife and a current wife would become friends, but that would have been fine with me. We used to joke that we had this great thing in common, that we had married the same guy, and that was the truth. Another thing that happened in the last two weeks was that my mom called with the ever-present sadness in her voice saying that she wished that she had her old life back. And before I could even stop myself, I was saying, oh, mom, I wish you could have your old life back too. My voice was catching because a good part of her old life is my life. Sitting around the dinner table with mom and Gordy, my beloved stepfather, talking about any number of things from backyard birds to politics to science, whatever. I want that life back too. I miss him calling with computer questions or getting a note in the mail with an article about a new migraine study he had come across in all of his medical reading. I miss him. But about an hour after getting off the phone with her, when I was done being all weepy myself, realizing that for over a decade, I had been trying to get back to my old life in Providence, trying to figure out a way to be closer to my family and my friends. And every time I was up for a job interview or I was visiting and lamenting the lack of community in Northern Virginia, the lack of friends, the dearth of dive bars and diners, my mother would tell me to just get over it that that life was over. It was time to make a new life in Virginia. When I was visiting, she literally would have me drive her somewhere, like a 40-minute drive. And during that time, she would lecture me. And there was nothing I could do but listen because I was driving and I was being held captive. And it was so awful. And eventually, I just stopped trying to move back to New England to be closer to my family and my friends. And I also stopped visiting. What used to be a visit every two or three months became every four or five months, and then maybe it was twice a year until COVID, and now it's just been twice in three years, and you know how much trepidation those last two trips have caused me. I have talked here about my mother's lack of empathy, and the first season of Two Chocolate Cakes, it is real evident that she was just not available to me in any meaningful way. But now that she is alone, she expects all kinds of support from people, me, my sister, her brothers, who have their own issues, by the way, the one friend she still has, Linda. And she has never really supported any of us in any way. And we're all struggling with our own conflicted feelings around this. And of course, our first inclination is to move heaven and earth to help people, help mom feel better but damn, if it doesn't feel like it's always a one-way trip. Someone somewhere on the internet or in a book, and I don't think it's anything new, and I'm sure you've all heard it yourselves. I saw or heard or read this, and it has been sticking with me, and certainly most recently, but uncomfortably. Stop trying to find you and other people. Stop expecting other people to do the things you would do. But at the same time, you don't have to continue to fly across the country for people who wouldn't cross an empty room to say hi to you. That's a super clunky metaphor, but I think you know what I mean. Someone that I follow on the socials who I found on my FYP on TikTok just yesterday, that TikTok algo is always so on the money. Thank you, China. 
said that parents who complain that their adult children are ghosting them should take the advice they're giving others. Change your behavior to get what you want. And this creator used the example of, quote, stop ordering Starbucks and avocado toast, and then you can afford a house. Like, certainly you have heard that ridiculous nonsense from people who are telling kids in their 20s and in their 30s that they can't afford houses, not because the market is insane and people aren't making enough money, but because they drink their coffee at Starbucks. And I had to laugh because it's true. She says, the price of an adult child's time and attention has been suggested donation. We suggest that you be kind, but it's just a suggestion. But for years and years, parents have been ignoring that suggestion and cramming that donation box with meaningless to with meanness tokens and literal shit. And she goes on to say that a lot of adult children just took this as like this is how things are, right? This is this is this is what life is like as an adult child of a parent who's an asshole. Uh, but now that we have like the internet and spaces to talk about sort these sorts of things, we're finding out that we don't have to accept these donations of meanness and unkindness and crap because the internet has given us places and spaces to talk about this with others who also have filthy donation boxes that make them sad. And that when we say to our parents, hey, I'd love to visit, but you cannot be mean and shitty and cruel to me or I simply won't make time for you. It hasn't gone over well. And so we've packed up our donation boxes and we've put them where our parents don't have access anymore. And they're mad about it. I have paraphrased considerably here and I will try to find that creator and I will post her handle in the show notes. But that was the gist of the message and I really loved it. I have done a soft version of this with my own mother, first by blocking her from my social media, and then by letting her know that she doesn't get to rewrite my history in the family by suggesting to me that my beloved stepfather had a secret life that he kept from her. He did not. He was the most open human being on the planet. She just ignored him. That he killed himself. He did not. He died alone in hospice while she was getting her hair cut, and that she had no idea of any of his health issues uh, were happening. And honestly, I knew more about that man's bowel movements than any child should. And my mother called him a hypochondriac on the regular. She just didn't want to know. And I will not let her fill my donation box with untruths because she cannot manage to live with her guilt. It's not my job to make her realize the truth. But it is my job, I think, to protect the memory of someone who was as much a father to me as my own father, maybe even more so. I think in doing that, I'm protecting my relationship with him, which was important. So, you know, I, I know that you don't come to the Sidecar podcast to hear me work out the steady stream of melancholy that I feel these days about the last few years with my mother. But so much of why I make myself available to you all is because I know how isolating it can be when you have a gaslighting parent. It's like being the only one at work with institutional knowledge, and yet no one will listen to you. Well, friends, I will listen to you because I'm in it too. And I'm terribly conflicted because on the one hand, I want to help my mother get to a place where she's at peace. But on the other hand, even if I were to do that at the expense of my own mental health, I honestly don't think it would work. 
she'd just be miserable about something else because I think she's a narcissist and she doesn't know any other way to be now that she's alone and there's no one in her house to temper or buffy buffer that shitty behavior. So yeah, there's that. Okay, so in other news, seed catalogs. Seed catalogs are hitting my mailbox fast and furious. I have favorite seed catalogs, and I'm sure you're not surprised. Of course, you're not surprised. I have favorite everything. My favorite seed catalogs are as followed, but in no particular order. Southern Exposure Seed Exchange. They are local-ish to me here in Virginia. They're sort of central Virginia, but they specialize in Southern gardens. So they are really my go-to. So when I say that wasn't in order, I was lying. This, This one's definitely my favorite. Johnny Seeds. I love them, but you have to spend $200 to get free shipping. And for some reason, I really have a problem with that. I don't know why. Pine Tree Garden Seeds. Love them. They probably have the best prices around of seeds because they don't have like glossy seed packages. And Kitchen Garden Seeds, which are expensive, uh, but they have some of the best mixes. And this is the same company as White Flower Farm. And now that I'm reading this, I'm remembering that there's another seed company that I really like. And I want to say it's Hudson Valley Seeds, maybe. And they have these art packages seeds because I was just talking about glossy, fancy seed packages. These are like frameable seed packages. I'll try to figure out what it is and put it in the show notes. Anyway, here's the thing. Even though I have a tiny greenhouse, I have terrible luck starting seeds. So the fat past few years, I've spent a few hundred dollars on seed starting supplies and seeds only to have them burn up in the greenhouse or not germinate or get eaten by slugs as soon as I put seedlings out in the garden. And honestly, that is a terrible use of my time. So I don't know if I'll buy seeds this year. I certainly have enough seeds from the past few years to plant a several acre farm. So I have plenty. Um, The germination rate might not be great because they're a year too old, but that's fine. I know this sounds super whiny and hyperbolic, but I really think that climate change is making it so much harder and harder to grow things here in Virginia. It gets way too hot too early and it stays hot too long. We don't have any cool nights anymore. And this winter we've had zero snow and hardly any rain. And I suspect we'll have a drought this summer unless we get off the stick and make it rain and snow, please. Anyway, I might start a things start a few things that I can't really get down here, like Tithonia, but mostly I'll just buy plant starts here. I'm not sure that I told you, I think that I did, that when we had the $9,000 sewer line replaced, they dug up the spot where all that goddamn bindweed was. So you know what? That $9,000 was worth it to get rid of all that crap. Anyway, the farmer's markets here are so good. It's Seriously, the one thing I love about living here is the access to these farmer's markets. You know how much I love them. I talk about them all summer. I really don't need to grow anything but herbs and flowers, and we can buy all our tomatoes and hot peppers and squash and beets and everything at the farmer's market and just support somebody else. They also do most of their farms in closer to the mountains where it doesn't get as hot. They get a lot more rain, which is why I think that they are able to grow things at the farm that I can't grow in my backyard. Anyway, cupcake updates. 
I still do not like chocolate cupcakes with chocolate frosting. I bought two packs to bring up to the animal hospital this weekend because we were hanging artwork and I ended up bringing one pack home and I ate one. Those little mini cupcakes that I think I've talked about, the Canadian two bite ones. I didn't like them. I don't like chocolate on chocolate, but I still love the chocolate ones with white frosting or the white ones with white frosting or the white ones with chocolate frosting. So that hasn't changed since the last time I talked about this. But those chocolate chocolate cupcakes were such a bummer that now all I can think about is the lemon nothing bunt cakelets. And so I think I might need to get some of those this week. Side note, you know those Andes mints? Do you remember those? They're like little like little flat bricks and they're green foil. They make a Valentine's one now that is chocolate with a cherry filling instead of mint. And they are quite good. They're called Cherry Jubilee Thins. And so, of course, I bought some for my mother along with a pack of 150 strawberry and strawberry and cream lint truffles for Valentine's Day because I want her to be happy. Honestly, why is there not a pill for being a doormat? In other food news, we got an air fryer for, from Catherine for Christmas, and we've been trying out different things to air fry, mostly chicken so far, and broccoli. I did not like air fried broccoli. It had such a weird texture. It was like eating a hairball. I like the chicken, though. Ben found a recipe for air fried full-size pigs in a blanket, so they're hot dogs and cheese wrapped in pastry or crescent dough and then air fried. So we'll try that this week, and I'll let you know. Frankly, it seems a little extreme even for me, but I'm willing to try it. He also bought some potatoes to try to make potato bones for waffles. If you have any recipes you love with your air fryer, please do share them with me. We have the kind of air fryer that has a tray and not a drop-in basket, but it does have a rotisserie type basket thing, if that makes a difference. This is really Ben's domain. I don't really know anything about it. He's in charge of the air fryer. Okay, so I was going to do a whole podcast on imposter syndrome because I've been thinking a lot about that, and I have a lot of feelings about it, and I'm willing to bet that they are not what you think they are. But then I suggested to Jen Goldbeck that we do an agenda podcast about it instead, since folks seem to really like that we did a serious podcast about fitting in and Kate Spade and Rites of Passage, and so we put that on our agenda to talk about. Okay, so I think we covered a lot of ground, none of which has snow on it here in Northern Virginia. So let's just get to the food holidays, which you must have been missing terribly over the past few weeks. And for that, I apologize, and I hope that you can forgive me. Today, Sunday, January 22nd, is Chinese Lunar New Year, which kicks off 15 days of celebration of the new year and spring. It's the year of the rabbit, so here's hoping it's a good year for all of us who also say rabbit, rabbit on the first of every month. And I know it's mixing cultures, and my intention is not to appropriate Lunar New Year, New Year for good luck. It's also Korean New Year, and it is Tet, which is Vietnamese New Year. It's also Blonde Brownie Day, which honestly is just a blondie. I don't know why they need to say brownie in there. It's also um, Roe v. Wade Day, and I don't think I need to tell you that now more than ever, we need to double down on our support of Democrats who will not strip away the rights of our mothers and ourselves who fought for the very idea um, that our daughters will have fewer rights going forward than their grandmothers and their mothers is fucking unacceptable to me. And finally, it's answer your cat's question day. 
And to that, I say, who let Sister Helen run the calendar? I don't answer to her. Monday, January 23rd is National Pie Day. And no, it is not. That is in March. It is also not Rhubarb Pie Day because even though rhubarb comes very early, it's not that early. It is, however, International Sticky Toffee Pudding Day, and that is so good with ice cream, especially when it's warm. I have never made it myself, and I've only ever had it a few times made by the same person, Peggy Sharp, who made the best, although honestly, it's the only time I've ever had it, so I can't really, I know, I'm sure it was the best, sticky toffee pudding. And then we'd have vanilla ice cream with it, and just thinking about it has me feeling all wistful for lunch at her house. And you'll hear all about the Sharps in the next season of Two Chocolate Cakes, if I ever finish writing it. And this is me making that cringy face. Tuesday, the 24th of January is National Peanut Butter Day. Two big thumbs up. And I think of honor of that, I'm going to bake an onion filled with peanut butter and breadcrumbs and see how that tastes. Just kidding. I'm sure that tastes like sadness. Instead, maybe I'll have time this week to make some peanut butter cookies. My favorite recipe is from the Better Homes and Garden cookbook, although I got some great baking bits from Fred of Friend of the Golden Ratio Squad, and I think of my podcast too, Ralph and his wife who went to Hershey and sent me a whole box of delights, including these new baking chips and bits from Reese's, and I've been dying to try them out. I think they'd be really good in brownies, actually. Tuesday is also Lobster Thermidor Day, which is when you deconstruct a lobster and then you cook the lobster meat in a wine sauce and then you stuff the whole thing back into the lobster and then there's more sauce and then there's like a cheese thing. Honestly, the whole thing sounds quite dreadful. So I just hold out for peanut butter baked stuffed onion. <laughs> it's also National Compliment Day. So make sure you say something nice to someone today, like, Thank you very much for not making me eat lobster thermidor. You're my best friend. And double down uh, to make sure you say something nice to yourself today. Wednesday the 25th is Irish Coffee Day, which if you did not know is black coffee, whiskey, sugar, and whipped cream. Irish coffee was actually invented in the late 40s by a chef at a little layover airport spot in Ireland. Sometimes the weather was su such that the planes which had stopped at that airport to refuel on their way to warmer, fancier, and sunnier places had to turn back. So the chef would whip up these special coffees while people were waiting for their flights. And they were introduced in the U.S. in the early 50s in San Francisco, and the rest, as they say, is history. I am not a fan, but I do love Maltesers, which can come from Ireland, so I will just have those instead. It's also Fish Tacos Day, and to that I say, no thank you. Tacos are for Tuesdays, not for Wednesdays. Wednesday is also St. Dwivens Day, which is the Welsh version of St. Valentine's Day. And finally, it is Burns Night, which is the night every literature major with an Ivy League degree in the U.S. celebrates with scotch and haggis and epic tales, plus a drunken chorus of Auld Lang Syne, which almost nobody knows all the words to. In 2009, Scotland voted Robert Burns the greatest Scot ever by the Scottish public. I mean, that's awfully nice. There's probably a lot of great Scots, so it's kind of nice that he, he won that. <sighs> okay. Thursday the 26th is Irish Soda Bread Day. And what is with all of these Irish and UK holidays this week? It's also National Peanut Brittle Day, and I'm a huge fan of peanut brittle. And I keep buying peanuts at the peanut store that we go by on the way back from visiting Ben's parents, and then I always forget to make it. 
But to be fair, it's one of those things that you cannot make when it's humid out. And it's almost always humid here uh, because it just won't set up right. And then it is peanut gummy instead of peanut brittle. It's also International Environmental Education Day, and I will bet you one half pound of peanut brittle that the Virginia State Legislature today will do something that will make the environment cry. Friday is Chocolate Cake Day, which is fine, and I'm pretty sure there are other days that celebrate chocolate cake, so let's instead make Friday all about a much more important day, International Holocaust Remembrance Day, Holocaust Memorial Day, and Auschwitz Liberation Day. And a good way to honor these days is to make sure your elected official knows that you want history, especially Holocaust history, and maybe African-American history and Asian-American history taught in our schools. And if you don't think that you need to tell them, you're wrong. You really do, because there are people out there that are trying to erase history. Saturday is Blueberry Pancake Day, and I am a big fan of blueberry pancakes. I like to get them at the Silver Diner. I never make pancakes at home, though. It's also Seed Swap Day and Lego Day. So if you are following the sidecar New Year's resolutions, today is the day you bust out that Lego kit you got for Christmas or you go get a new one. Although new Lego kits are being released at the beginning of February, so you could wait until then. I give you permission. I'm going to wrap up all of the food holidays for the month on this podcast. So Sunday the 29th is Corn Chip Day big fan. Love Fritos, especially the scoops, uh, especially with some bacon horseradish dip or Fritos crunched up in some chili. Just a big fan of Fritos in general. It's also World Leprosy Day, and I was going to make a joke about how you should never eat a body part you find on the ground, but that seems like it might be a little too much, so I probably won't tell that joke. Monday, the 30th of January, we're going to celebrate croissant. I love croissant so much but they seem so hard to make. Once I got the frozen ones at Trader Joe's and I was proofing a whole tray and I think it was either eight or 12 and BB, who was our Weimariner before Ladybug and Waffles and she, she never did anything bad. But when she did, it was usually pretty bad. She ate the entire tray of croissant dough um, after they were proofed, but just before they went into the oven. And oh my God, she looked like a fat sausage. Content warning ahead. Her poops were so fluffy, like for a week, though. It was amazing. Finally, Tuesday, the 31st of January is Hot Chocolate Day. And I bought all of the things to make hot chocolate bombs this year. And of course, say it with me, I did not make them. Maybe this weekend? I thought I could stretch holiday baking out to Valentine's Day, but I still need to make some space in the dining room in order to work. It's also Brandy Alexander Day, which is cognac, creme de cacao, and cream. And I don't think I like them, but I do love the Feist song by the same name. And while I was finishing writing this, the doorbell rang. And it was an older man, Spanish-speaking, but his English was pretty good. And he said he was one of our neighbors down the street. And I sat on the stairs while Ben talked to him outside. And it was unclear exactly what he wanted or needed. He was talking about how he couldn't work and his hand was shaking. He kept showing Ben his hand and it was raining and cold. And Ben and I literally emptied our wallets. We only had $40 cash between us. But ben told him to come back anytime he needed a hot meal or warm clothes or anything. We gave him an umbrella too. And then I got a little teary after he left because I felt like we didn't do enough. And Honestly, who knows if he was just looking for beer money or whatever. I mean, even if he was, to knock on the neighbor's door to ask for beer money is probably pretty fucking hard. 
and we have beer money to share and always food to make for someone who shows up at our door. Anyway, I hope if he needs anything, he'll come back and I'll make him a warm drink and a sandwich and he can meet all the cats. Someday I'll tell you about this other shitty neighbor we have who's trying to outlaw panhandling because, quote, they are just going to get money for drugs. Well, so what? So don't give him any money. She doesn't get to say who I give money to. If that was the case, I'd, I'd, if, that was, if I had my choice, I'd outlaw Salvation Army and collection plates at church. Okay. So that should keep you in food holidays and thinking about February. And you might put on your calendar now that Wednesday morning, you need to say rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. Please keep sharing and rating the podcast, sharing it with your live action role playing group in the forest, your mall walking group, and your creative writers at the community center. I'll see you this weekend, next weekend. And remember, do good recklessly. Recklessly.